Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Yes Mother, a podcast covering the A&E series Bates Motel. Tonight we're going to be covering the season two finale called The Immutable Truth. I'm Sue. And I'm Em. suddenly go out this scene kind of confused me or like the way it was it was confusing because shots started getting fired were those her goons or were they her dogs because later there's a dog definitely being shot there's definitely a dog that gets shot because you hear the dog barking and then you hear a gunshot and you hear like a you know but like as soon as the lights go out you know romero's like you guys stay in here you know, he's like, no matter what, you stay in here. And then he goes downstairs, but he's only gone for like a second when you hear a shot outside. Yeah, so that's why I'm wondering if she's got bodyguards she, downstairs bodyguards? or was it just dogs? And whichever dog they shot first just didn't yelp. <laughs> so, right, right. Because I was also like, did, she, did he shoot the goat? <laughs> oh, the goat. <laughs> <laughs> she always had people around though too didn't she i don't remember if she did or not maybe not because that was one of my questions i was like hmm. did she have bodyguards too was that so, she'd be stupid not to but she's kind of yeah, stupid <laughs> she also is kind of stupid and lives in her little la la land with her goats and dogs you know maybe she doesn't feel like she needs because she's not you know she lives in her little world yeah Maybe just because she, I I don't know. But so Zane, Zane was coming there to kill her, right? Zane apparently knew that he was walking into a trap. That's all I can get from it. I don't think he did. Really? Well, he was surprised. He was surprised surprised to to see see Dylan. Dylan. That's right. He's like, this guy's here, you know. I did make a note of that. So I'm like, wait a second. Was was he was coming there to shoot? I don't know, I think. Well, maybe maybe, let's see. Was he surprised to see Romero? <laughs> More than there, just there wasn't a chance for him to be surprised to see Romero cuz he just clicks he clicks his shotgun thing and yeah, he I mean, turned around and then he says his that line. All, <laughs> yeah, that all ha- happened in like one or two seconds. So, because he, I wrote it down. He said he's here with you, 
And you're right. He was, yeah, he was totally surprised. He was surprised to see Dylan. So, yeah, maybe he was just coming to ambush her. I really think he was. I really think he was. I. Why? But, so who was he shooting outside? And did he would have brought his goons with him. So were those shots that we heard Jody's people shooting his guys? I mean, he's he. I don't know. That doesn't make sense so much, does it? it because it doesn't. He I never put the two together. He would have had Iggy with him for sure, right? Oh and yeah, the nondescript and, guy. And unless he's just totally insane, which he might be, and just wanted to scare the crap out of her before he killed her, because he just. If he wanted to come just to shoot her alone, he could have just not turned out the lights, not shot all her dogs, and just walked in and walked shot. in, started talking to her, and you know, take her by surprise and shoot her. Right. But turning off the lights, I mean, you know, obviously he cut like the main circuit or something, right. you know. So that's such a horror movie thing to do. Well, he's stupid. I know. I, but I just, this scene just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. At least he didn't, like, stop and explain his diabolical plan. So he had a chance to get shot. <laughs> Did he? No. <laughs> okay. No. Well, they have that. I don't know. I really wondered because you could, there was a definite dog being shot. But before that, there were definitely, definite shots. And I have no idea. Yeah. I have it written down. So you hear a gunshot as soon as Romero leaves the room. Like, I don't think Romero was even downstairs. No, I don't either. And there's a gunshot that sounds outside. So that's that gunshot's between Zane and who knows who. And that's when 90210 gets up and, you know, Dylan's like... You had your guns anywhere? Oh yeah, guest bedroom's where I keep all my guns. That was so uncalled for. (laughs) He didn't say, do you have any guns in this room? Yeah, I... I just, that was the worst. She just went out with the worst. (laughs) She did. I don't know. Totally uncalled for, if you ask me. When I saw that, I was like, now is not the time to be all quippy. Yes. You know? (laughs) 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 So she goes downstairs, grabs that pruning thing or you know big knifey thing and you see Dylan at the balcony and then you can hear her and Zane arguing you know she's yelling at him and then Dylan comes downstairs and Zane's pulling a gun on her and that's when he sees Dylan and he's like he's here with you and that's when 90210 like Gets a chance to cut him with those pruning shear things. And then he shoots her. And then all of a sudden Romero shows up behind him like Batman. He is. <laughs> <laughs> He's batman Zane twice now. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, remember what I said about burning you down? Well, I'm a man of my word. <laughs> And that could so easily have been delivered like a B-rated bad guy movie line, but it was so good. It was totally cat high five time. 
It was. <laughs> that is a time, if there ever was one, to high-five your cat. It was good. It was The delivery was great. It, it was yeah. fantastic. It was fantastic. If I had a cat to high-five when I watched, I would have done it. I think I made an audible yell got, of some sort. I don't remember. I've got several cats, and I didn't high-five any of them. <laughs> But they were with me when I was watching this, so yeah. I probably would have if one of them they was were. by me. But so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like how this played out. I, I mean, yeah. And little nitpick aside about the shots and whatever Zane's mo- Zane, who cares what Zane was doing? He's an idiot. Yeah. It was probably stupid. <laughs> I'm still just wondering who got shot. Who was that first shot? The second shot was a dog. Who was the first? The goat. Nah. <laughs> That makes I know like, that makes me sad. <laughs> and then you see Dylan and Romero leaving the house, and Dylan asks Romero why he's getting a free pass, and Romero gives him that speech about like there needs to be a leader. There's a vacuum now, and basically, I want you. I've handpicked you to run the town. You know the marijuana part. Yeah, I mean, he basically said he's like, there's there's rules that need to be kept in order for this town to live in peace, and you seem to understand yeah, those rules. You get it. You know, you get it. And Dylan's like, I am not your guy, but I'm not convinced. <laughs> yeah, Dylan's definitely going to be like the reluctant. So does this mean... Yeah. Does this mean that Dylan can never tell anyone about Bradley then? I don't know what's going to happen with that. Because, I mean, we have all the heads of the families dead now. Nick's dead, now 90210, and Bleachy Von Leatherbridges is dead. And, yeah, and, you know, it seems like Nick Ford was a one-man operation or something besides his goons because once he was dead, he was just being cleaned out. Yeah, so where's Eric? Who's who's oh, Eric? Eric. You know? Eric's the, coming next season, isn't he? Who the hell is Eric? I think we're going to find out. I think he's going to... I forgot about Eric. He's going to be the Dylan's nemesis. He's got to be. Because Nick... I was just hoping that Nick Ford's whole operation dies down and Dylan can do the drug thing and Romero and him can live peaceably and that Dylan will run it great. I don't but think so. There's, but there's got to be conflict. <laughs> there's got to be conflict. There's got to be. So that conflict is most likely Eric. I mean, Nick described him as his manager or something. His, his first and... Yeah, I don't... He... He had, he, had he a, was a second-hand man kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. But weirdly, yeah. we never saw him, or never even saw him. a hint of him. Nope, because when Romero walked into that room where the one guy was looting his safe, I expected that to be Eric, and it wasn't. And, you know, we're going into the third season, and that was first season stuff. Yep. That's nuts. Yep. I mean, it, if it's dropped, that really sucks. But if it's not and it's really carefully weaved, that's awesome. So we'll see what it is. Well, it still makes me wonder if they kind of wrote this episode 
thinking that they weren't going to get a third season and they were just willing to drop that whole thing. Mm. And now that they have a third season, maybe they're going to be like, all right, we got to. Again, Carlton Cuse has a history of dropping stuff, as we all learn very painfully if we watch <laughs> Lost. <laughs> That's true. But we were also hoping he had learned his lesson. Right. Or that maybe that was Damon Lindelof's problem. That's right. We were all up for just blaming Lindelof on that. <laughs> <laughs> it was Damon's fault. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. That scene kind of confused me, but I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. I just still don't quite understand her whole place in this show. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Whatever. Yeah. She nursed Dylan back to health. And she was unexpected as the head of the family. That's all she was. Yeah. I don't know. We expected some Nick Forty kind of guy, right? <laughs> totally. I totally wanted a Nick Forty. I totally wanted Nick Fortiness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that family clan could have used a little Nick Fortiness. <laughs> <laughs> she was no Nick Ford, that's for sure. Nope. All but right. Moving on. Moving on. Um, okay, so obviously Norma had called Dylan and said, we need to meet somewhere on the sly, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, they meet so at they some... they do that. Just side of the road somewhere. Yep. And this is a great scene. Seriously. This uh, all of this whole thing with Norma and Dylan and what to do with Norman, I just uh, love so much. Same. Norman had these um these memories when he was trapped in that box. He thinks that he killed Blair Watson. I know, Dylan, I'm sorry to dump this on you, but you're the only one I can tell. I don't know what to do. Romero wants him to take a polygraph test tomorrow. He's going to ask him if he killed Blair Watson. No one's going to go to prison. That can't happen. Can you imagine Norman in prison? It just dissolves. It just, it's not his fault. He doesn't even know he does these things. I bought tickets to Montreal to fly. We can leave tonight. You can't do that. That's insane. I don't know what else to do. I got three tickets. I want you to come. Bought me a ticket. I'm sorry, Dylan. I'm so sorry. For everything. For how you were born. How I handled it. I would shut you out. It was horrible of me, and I'm so sorry. It's not your fault, Norma. You were just a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. But as horrible as it was, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything because you're here now, and you're beautiful, and you're a miracle that someone like you could come out of all that. And I wouldn't give you up for anything.
listen to me. You can't leave town. He's innocent. He doesn't know. He's mentally ill. They'll send him to an institution. I don't want him in an institution. If he did this thing, then... He needs to be somewhere he can be protected. Or someplace other people are protected. You need to know the truth, Norma. If you really love him, then... If you really love him and you, and you want to protect him, then... He needs to take the test. Dylan's the only one she can talk to, and she's just pretty much, what do I do? Um, I bought these tickets. And he's like, you can't leave, are you insane? And then she says that she bought Dylan one, and she wants him to come. And it's so sweet again. Um, he just says, you bought me a ticket? And then she just full-on apologizes. She apologizes for everything, his birth, how she handled it, you know. And the whole time, he's got the, like, jaw works going on and the Adam's apple. Yeah, he it's, is fighting back tears. Uh-huh, it's so sweet. Well, it's so sweet when he's like, you you bought me a ticket? And he just hugs her. Mm. Yeah, I missed the hug part. Yes, he hugged her. Uh, it's so cute. And... Oh, and she's just crying, and then they release, and and she's, like, telling him how sorry she is for everything. She's like, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You're so beautiful, and a, a miracle that someone like you could come out of all that. And, and you know, we've discussed that. We're like, he's a fine, you know. A fine specimen. Fine specimen for what he <laughs> What he, yep. <laughs> he's, we've mentioned it because we live in Utah. We've seen right. <laughs> the whole uh, the deliverance. <laughs> <We've>... <laughs> um, yeah. So um, it basically he tells her in this scene afterwards, you know, after all of this, that if he's done all of this if he's killed her and everything you know i know you're just panicking and she you know she doesn't want him in an he suggests an institution and she doesn't want him in an institution she doesn't want him in jail what right. does she say he'd like dissolve <laughs> she says can you imagine norman in prison he'll just dissolve <laughs> <laughs> but it was very it made me think of the sandy hook shootings Adam you know whatever his name was um you know this monster that you're a mother to that can turn on you and do such horrible things if you don't get them the help that you may suspect they need mm -hmm. you know it just it brought up all in the the Aurora theater shootings you know mm -hmm. these kids that are monsters that have mothers that 
probably knew that <laughs> they weren't quite right, but they're their kid and they protect them. But is that right. what, at what cost? <laughs> right. Like the mother's got like such a blind eye to uh-huh. everything, you know, cause that's her kid. Because yeah. Dylan, Dylan does say, you know, he's like, he should probably be institutionalized, like, to protect himself and to protect everyone else. Yeah, exactly. You know? And we know this to be true. <laughs> yes. You know, this, her protecting him is her downfall, and who knows who else's downfall? More than one person, you know. Well, it just... Comes to, he it, does belong in an institution, and it was her downfall not doing it. And that's a very heart-wrenching. Adds to this scene. It does. It does. And it just... It's such a selfish thing for a mother to do, but... It's hard to... It's hard to be... It's... Like I said, there's many mothers that could never believe, honestly, that their child would do something so horrible but it happens and it it, it's you know it's happened in history and it's horrible and right because every every horrible person you can think of from hitler to Dahmer to they all had mothers mm -hmm. and they were that probably thought the best of them at some point yeah and you know they were all little babies at one time and toddlers and, you know, had mothers that had the whole, just loved them unconditionally for the most part. I mean, I, I'm sure some of them get messed up because they have horrible mothers. Yeah. And I think that does happen. But yeah. But anyway, it's Norman's not one of them. So it is, it's, it's a very sad situation. It is, and it's so great that she has Dylan because he really, I feel, she was ready to face whatever was going to happen, and she was going to face it with Dylan. And yes, that's. I think yes. she came away from that scene going, "Okay, whatever happens, is he's right. Dylan's yep. right." Yep. I think I he got that vibe. Somehow he was able to like reason with her. It was it was such a fantastic mother son moment, and so good for Dylan too. Yeah, because I think he he seemed to kind of realize, and I I noticed this when like not the final scene, yeah, the final scene when when Norman is sitting at breakfast before the the pot the polygraph test and Dylan walks in and I was like, Dylan has finally realized that it's not all about him. You know, I mean, he has learned some really crappy stuff about himself, you know, who his dad is and, you know. Yeah. But I feel like this is going to leave. I think. I think Dylan has shed the worst of that. I think now. so. I think I, I think, think he's so. back, and I think I think he's totally back because I think I think all this. I think the kidnapping, this polygraph, learning that he may have killed Miss Watson. 
I think it's just all made Dylan realize, all right, I need to get over my stuff because it's just not all about me. There's other people, you know. Yeah, and I'm so glad because I I really predicted that he was going to go way further down the rabbit hole than I expected. I did then, too. Um, he did. No. I did too. I expected it to be a lot worse. I thought he was going to spiral down horribly, and he really didn't. Yeah. No, I, I think we both predicted that. We were both yeah. like, oh, man. This you is going to be tough. <laughs> Which, I don't know. I think all this, I just love the scene between he and Norma because it just really, I think it was good for both of them. For sure. You know, he, you know, because she's like, I bought you a ticket too. I want you to come with it, you know. That touched him more deeply than... Absolutely. Maybe Cause was, anything. Because probably for the first time in his life, it wasn't just her and Norman. She wanted him too. Because right. not, not too long ago, she was telling him how much she hated him. Oh, yeah. You know. Season one, the first she, few episodes. She's like, I hate you. you yeah. Know? That spoke a lot, and we didn't get a chance <laughs> to see what it was like growing up with Norma. For Dylan, you know, but right. it wasn't good. Yeah. That's just stuff we have to, I guess, unless they do flashbacks or something, but that's just stuff we'll have to just kind of imagine. Yeah. I think they gave us enough to know it was bad. I think and so. Yeah. Volatile and just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, again, Dylan just had the cooler head just saying, you can't leave. You can't run away from this. Right. She needed him and he, yep. he talked her into a good place. But then when she gets home, that all kind of unravels <laughs> for what she finds. Oh, right. Cause this is when she comes home and Norman isn't there. She finds a little suicide note and the stuffed bird. And it just, there were so many times I was like on the brink of tears in this episode. Just like, <laughs> I just loved that he did that little bird for her. Yeah, I wrote the note down. It said, Dear Mother, I made this little bird for you. I will always love you, and we will always be part of each other. Love, Norman. Although I couldn't help but I took the bird a little differently because it she hated that stuff. <laughs> it's like he keeps forgetting so that or just not computing in his head that she hates the taxidermy. <laughs> and that was the last thing he was leaving her. I couldn't, I couldn't ignore face. that fact. <laughs> part of it was sweet, you know. It was, But part of it was like, seriously, Norman, she doesn't like the taxidermy. It creeps her out. <laughs> I thought <laughs> now that you put it that way <laughs> sorry to poison your sweetness about it <laughs> now I'm all like in your face mom here's my last <laughs> you flipped <real> my, <laughs> my last gesture <laughs> 
because that was all. Oh, that's such a pretty little bird, and he did it so pretty with the little branch and the flowers. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. I don't think it was malicious, but what is not computing with him that she doesn't like it? Well, what computes with him? True. And, you know, it's funny, because once she's gone, he, like, plasters it all over the hotel office, <laughs> apparently. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> this kind of stuff doesn't, he doesn't listen, because the Norma that he listens to is the Norma in his brain, I think. Yeah. And she, she loves the taxidermy. <laughs> I'm sure she does. <laughs> I'm sure she does. But, uh... So, <laughs> so, yeah, Norma finds out from Emma that Norman went for a walk in the woods, and she runs after him. She finds out she had just missed him, so that's good. <laughs> yep, she runs across the street, doesn't even care if there's cars coming. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it how, you know, he hears her, and he stops, and he looks, and then... He's the one that starts running. Norma's usually the one. <laughs> I know. But I did you notice how much it looked like that famous scene in Twilight? <laughs> With Edward. Oh no. Bella's the one standing where Edward where Norman was. Mm. And then Nor- Edward's behind her. Anyway, it was all woodsy and broody and <laughs> <laughs> I think of Twilight. <laughs> did not think of Twilight. <laughs> well, one of the first one of the first episodes we covered, I found a picture on the internet to put in our blog post, and it was very it was that scene. It looked exactly like that scene in Twilight. And now in that picture file I have, I see it every week when I'm putting a new picture into the file. Anyway, I see that picture a lot, and I'm like, man, that scene looks so much like Twilight. And then it happened again. That's why. (laughs) Anyway. He kicks her. He does. I think he's just so... (sighs) I was really sad he kicked her. (laughs) I kind of was, too, but he just... And he seems sorry for it. He's like, I'm sorry I hurt you. You know, right. he did apologize. I'm sorry, Mother. I didn't mean to hurt you, but I am going to do this, and you're not going to stop me. Why? Because I don't want to be who I am, and I don't want to hurt you. There's something wrong with me. I'm bad. You're not bad. You're innocent. You've never meant to hurt anybody in your life. But I did. I know I did. You don't know what's real and what's not, Norman. You have these blackouts and they confuse you. I had a blackout the day my dad died. What happened that day, Mother? Give me the gun and I'll tell you.
person. If if you kill yourself, I'll be the ones after. We have to be together. We're supposed to be together. No matter what, I will be with you every step. I will be right by your side. We will face this together. In my mind, he's kind of trying to do the right thing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, he does not want her to catch him. No. <laughs> runs and runs and runs. I mean, he tells her when she finally comes up, you know, catches up with him and tackles him and stuff. You know, he's like, I don't want to be who I am. Oh, man. That and- was sad. In fact, he says, how can you ask me to live with that? I know. And you just, I mean, I do not condone suicide. Because I I honestly, you know, 99% of the time, I really think what's driving them to do that can probably be fixed somehow. But Yes, Norman, and it is a very selfish thing to do. It is, and it's horrible. It's horrible for those of us who are left behind. Mm-hmm. But in Norman's case, I was like, I I kind of understood it, you know. Yeah, and we know where it leads to. He may not, but he kind of senses it. He and he is so sweet. I Norman know. is really sweet. That's what kills me. It's you so know. sad. It is, is it- sad. He doesn't want to live with himself. He knows he killed Miss Watson, and he doesn't want to live with himself because of that, you know? Yeah. And he couldn't help it. He doesn't know that he did it. That's How scary is that? Oh, man. I just you know, can't imagine being in his position. To, like, all of a sudden wake up one morning. You know, I think about those people, you know, you, you, you hear about those, like, car crashes where... Like, a drunk driver, like, hit a car and, like, you know, killed a... There was one just down the road from my house a month or two ago where, like, a three-year-old was killed. And, you know, apparently the drunk driver woke up, like, two days later in the hospital and just has absolutely no memory of it. I I get sick for the... Every time I hear... I mean, I'm sick for the victims and the victims' family... But I also, I am just sick just thinking about how ruined that, even drunk or not, just yeah. what they've done and what they have to live with. That would be the biggest nightmare. You know, I whether I, you're drunk or whether you were distracted or whether it was sleep or anything, yeah. just totally not even your fault. That is horrific. And you have to live with that your whole life. And yeah, this is very similar. It's very similar. It's, you know, I mean, to, like, have absolutely no memory of it. And I I, I feel just, very powerless. And it's just hard to even comprehend. Yeah. And he just wants to, he knows 
he seems to know that it could happen again and he just wants to end it. And he can't. So sad. It's so sad. (laughs) Cause he's such a sweet guy. And I just love how he just made that list and did all that stuff. I I just love him so much. (laughs) We are getting to just love Norman Norman so much. And it's so sad that we know how he ends up. It just, it's not, you know, you think about, oh, cool, they're making the origin story of Norman. I not once did I think I would, like, get so attached to get him. so attached to Norman, Norman. I just thought it'd be cool to watch, but now I'm sad. <laughs> they're playing with my emotions. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. And they are, they are crafting it to where we just love them both. Yes. And they are doing that on purpose. I know. Damn it's you, gonna, We are going to have some heavy moments. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Someday in the future. It's going to be bad. Emma's going to go down. You know that's going to happen. I know. I know. What's going to happen to Dylan? All these characters are going to have such tragic ends. I don't want to. <laughs> Why did we stop. start this? <laughs> but... But yeah, she she finally convinces him to give her the gun. I mean, she basically says that... Well, she gets the gun from him, and then she kisses him. Well, she says... Tell, he asks... He's starting to suspect... Well, okay, so he's putting it together. I blacked out when my dad died. And so... He brings it up, and she she says, give me the gun, and I'll tell you. That's right. That's right. And I thought she was going to lie to him. Did you? Um, no. I, I, totally, I totally knew that she was going to tell him what happened. I thought she was going to tell him that she killed him. <clears throat> oh. And I thought that would make an interesting twist to the mother killed. Because she would have planted one more death on her shoulders. Because I just thought she would not want him to, to that have did. that on his conscience, too, at this moment. Oh. So in my mind, I thought, okay, oh my gosh, she's going to tell him she did it. And then I thought, ooh, that could like plant the seeds of, you know, oh, more seeds of mom being the killer. Of mom being the killer. Oh, interesting. I didn't even think of that. No, I, I totally thought she was going to tell him what she told him. But she doesn't, I mean, all she tells him was that you were just protecting me. Yeah, she does not go into it, definitely. She doesn't go into any kind of detail. He knows what that means. He doesn't need her to. Yeah. Yeah. And then she says that that she will die if he dies. They're like the same person. And that they have to be together. They're supposed to be together. Yeah, and uh, you, I, I tend to think she's probably telling the truth. What yeah. do you think she would have done if he? Do you think it would have been a total Romeo and Juliet if he was dead? I totally do. That's in my notes. I was like, it would have been Romeo and Juliet. Oh, really? Yep. Yep. I think I think without the like coming back to life and being like, I wasn't really dead, but now yeah, I am. Yeah, without, without that little twist. Right. That little tragic, 
<laughs> no, I, I honestly think, I totally think, and I thought it that, yeah, if he would have like shot himself in front of her or if she would have come across him dead in the woods, I think she would have shot herself. Yeah, me too, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, despite the closeness that she recently had with Dylan, I don't think that would be enough for her. She needs Norman. Yeah, and you could tell right away. I mean, she had that great moment with Dylan, but as soon as all of this started, she was crazy woman, you know. She was yeah. ah, I can't and it makes it one it makes you think, okay, I see why he doesn't end up in an institution. <laughs> she ends up dead because she's not able to keep that fortitude she had there for a few minutes with Dylan. Right. Right. Which I have an easy time believing that she wouldn't be able to keep that up. And this, this scene was a real good indication. No, no. She loves Dylan as long as Norman's there too. Yeah. But if, yeah, if something happened to Norman, it would kill her. If she had to choose between the two, if someone said, okay, I'm going to kill one of your sons. (laughs) If she had the Sophie's choice. Yes. Her Sophie's choice would not be a Sophie's choice. It would, it'd be Norman. It'd be Norman. Ten times out of ten. Yeah. I mean, her Sophie's choice would be more like between Romero and Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I totally believe that she would. But just so well done between these two. Just that scene was amazing. And then at the end, he says, you win. Because she's like, you know. She's giving him the whole, I mean, it's kind of like a guilt trip. Well, if you die, Norman, then I die. Right. You know, and she's like, I will be here. I will be by your side. We will face this together. And he's like, okay, you win. Hmm. Then he goes down. Then it cuts to, like, him going down to breakfast. This looked like a total dream sequence. (laughs) Was the breakfast scene a dream sequence? It was shot so weird. It was shot so weird. That's what I was wondering. I, I even have in parentheses. Is he in a trance? Because like, <laughs> you know, he sits down and she, you know he's got like some pancakes in front of her, him, and you know she's on the other end of the table with a cup of coffee, and just the way she looks at him, and then he looks over and Dylan walks in. I was just like. It was weird. What is it was going on? Really strange. <laughs> it kind but of... the second part of it in the car was very believable to me. Yes. I mean, I think all of us have had a time in our lives where we're like going somewhere that could most likely change life as we know it. Right. Right. You know, I... I think, and this one isn't quite as heavy as theirs. I've never had anything quite as heavy as theirs. But I liken it into when we took our daughter for the first time to the genetic, to the geneticist. I was going to say, probably getting Eleanor diagnosed. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I've, I don't know if everybody knows this, but <laughs> I have a daughter with a genetic disorder, and it was a degenerative one where she was perfectly normal until about – well, from birth, from about six months to 15 months, she declined and lost skills and started doing strange things that concerned me. And we started seeing, you know, physical therapists and things. And I 
could tell something. They knew something was really wrong with her. But, you know, Mm -hmm. six months ago, she was my totally normal little girl. Right. And so they told me to go to a geneticist, you know, a geneticist. And I just remember, and there was an arcade fire concert the night before, and Matt and B came. And I was like, I can't believe I got the concert the night before because I'm like, so nervous about this appointment and stuff, but the concert turned out to be like the best thing I could have done that night. It was so amazing. It was so great. And Rob went and Matt and B went and Catherine, our sister went and it was awesome. And, and then I just, you know, that morning it was so scary and going up to Salt Lake to this primary children's hospital to see this geneticist knowing I knew in my heart that we were going to get news that this is a big deal. It's not just right a little something that she's going to have. She's going to get over, you know. Right. Like she's and, just lazy or yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unmotivated. <laughs> right. And so it just that was a moment in my life where it did. It does feel a little like a dream sequence, and you know, you drive up there, and you just know you're heading towards something that's going to change life as you know it. And oh, so I, it was yeah. very believable, and it brought those feelings back to me. And but I don't know. The breakfast scene didn't. The breakfast scene was weird and stylized. But getting into the car and taking his mom's hand, you know, while she starts the car up and stuff was yeah. so believable and I, I feel like most of us have a moment like that where you you're going somewhere and it's a huge deal and you dress up for it and it's you oh, know yeah. you know life's changing and yeah that was awesome that was it was they great. did a really good job bringing that feeling to me at least <laughs> no I've got one of those moments when when I woke up when I was 20, 21 years old and suddenly blind in my left eye. That's right. You know, that happened overnight. Did it really? (laughs) I didn't remember it being overnight. It was overnight. So scary. I woke up and like opened my eyes and was like, huh, things look kind of weird. I, you know, I was like, I'm not hungover. I didn't drink last night, (laughs) you know, (laughs) (laughs) And then I remember, like, taking a shower and putting my makeup on. And you know how, like, when you put, like, eyeliner on, you, like, close the one eye? hmm And I remember when I closed my right eye, I couldn't see a thing. And I knew, I knew my left eye was open. Oh, that is so scary. And then I, I tried it again, and it happened again, and I just got this sinking. I seriously tumor all I could think of Hmm. was I must have like some massive brain tumor that's like making it so like the light can't reflect off my eye or you know didn't you see like lights and shadows for a little while I can still see lights and shadows but but not like anything focused it's it's hard to explain what I can see but I was absolutely terrified i can't imagine how scary that'd be and it vision is scary i mean (laughs) when it yeah when it's in your head your your vision yeah it's scared i can't tell you how scared i I was so scared i didn't even tell anybody and then finally like dad pulled me into his office and he's like 
what's going on? Was it that day or did you not tell anyone for a few days? It was a couple days later. Uh-huh. And he's like, you, there's mom and dad wrong. just knew I was, I was just acting strangely. Hmm. And dad's like, what's going on with you? You know? And I think he even said, you know, are you pregnant? <laughs> and I just started crying. I'm like, dad, I, I can't see out of my left eye. And I remember him and mom, like, making an appointment with some eye doctor and me and mom driving to it. And I was just like, this is when I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out. I'm, I've got, like, a massive brain tumor. I'm, hmm. I, I've got six months to live, you know. I remember yeah. just having, having those thoughts. And then them just saying, oh, this is kind of common. <laughs> you have optical neuritis. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Like 20, 20 years later, <laughs> I'm okay. But... Well, I also had that pregnancy scare where. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, you had that. Yeah, I uh, I had a molar pregnancy with a twin in between my two girls, and basically I went in for my twenty weeks ultrasound. I had had some problems in that pregnancy, but I went in expecting to see. We all figured it was twins because I was so big. I go in for an ultrasound, and within the span of 30 seconds, I my baby was not alive anymore, and I was hearing about cancer and chemo treatments because I had a molar pregnancy, which can cause cancer in the mom. Yeah. And so he sent us that second to drive up to St. Mark's and Salt Lake to see a specialist to... Uh, get all that checked out and I it just can't imagine because you think when you're pregnant the worst news you can hear is that you've lost a baby but to go from lost the baby to cancer and he's talking about chemo treatments it's crazy and so we went up to that appointment to get that checked out and that was another one of those <laughs> moments oh yeah yeah just yeah where you just you feel numb and the yeah yeah anyway I didn't get cancer. It was good. But I did lose my baby. But we had Eleanor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, things got really real here. On- <laughs> <laughs> I'm still blind in my left eye. <laughs> but not in my right. <laughs> <laughs> and I lost twins and I have a little girl with Rett syndrome. But life is awesome. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh. We love that little girl. Oh, we love Eleanor so much. <laughs> She's the greatest. Anyway. Anyway. So, okay. So, um, so yeah, they go, they go and do the polygraph. He, uh, he's, um, he answered yes to everything. <laughs> he did. He was so honest, but did you see? Him? Well, he had to be honest, but you just start going, man. Yeah. You, you have, you well, everyone's hurt somebody, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's like, have you ever hit evidence that, you know? Right, no, that was one, and stolen money, and but, yeah. I don't know, I just thought, well, we've all, like, hit our little brother. <laughs> all he said was, have you ever physically harmed anybody? Well, I, I think those are, like, the calibrating questions. Uh, you know, I think it's like, they ask something that pretty much everyone's done, to see how you answer it. I don't know, because those seemed all like bad things. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> but it it was interesting how once it got to once they said the name Miss Watson, did you see his head kind of twitch? Yes. He got a little weird. Yeah, definitely. Because there was about, I don't know, I would say about five or six questions before that. And he was like, yes, yes, you know, and I'll He seemed reluctant to say them because they were all like. <laughs> kind of damning, you know. Yes, I've hidden evidence from police. Yes. I, <laughs> I dumped a body with my mom. <laughs> Does that count as hiding evidence? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever hidden evidence? Does hiding a body count? <laughs> <laughs> then yes. <laughs> Is there sugar in syrup? Yes. Then yes. <laughs> but um but yeah, when when the guy asked, you know, have you, do you know, you know, Blair Watson or something? He just, he gets this little, I think that's when he's becoming like Norma. Is that? I think, I'm not sure. Maybe. Or is that when he's channeling Norma? Or is that when Norma's taking over? Norma. I think the little tingly tunnel vision starting, I, I would guess. <laughs> However, it starts with him. <laughs> it's starting because he acted, his body language changed a little bit. But I don't think he was full on. But it's strange. It's strange because when he asked if he ever killed Norman, any, sorry, if he asked if he had ever killed Miss Watson, mm -hmm. there's like a whole aside that it's like time stops for a minute. Right. Because there's no, because he talked out loud and the polygraph guy is just sitting there, like, looking at his stuff. So it's a weird moment. Right. So that is happening in his brain, but it's just on camera for us. I guess. Because there's no way he was saying all that out loud with that guy sitting there. Hell no. No way. There's no way. Right. So it was a weird moment. It's. For the audience. Right, right. And I, yeah. It, he was obviously silent for a long time, although it wouldn't take long for you to ask a question like that and have your polygraph guy be silent before you were like, did you hear me? <laughs> you know, how long would you wait? Not 30 seconds or anything. No way. Else. No you know, way. Because that was, it was kind of a long conversation between yeah. me and Norma, you know? Yeah. And she's like, you know, you need to keep this a secret. I'm the one that killed her, you know. Oh, man. The way she said, you have to keep this a secret. It mm -hmm. was so genius. It was so chilling. Yep. Norman. Norman. Norman.
class. Did you hear my question? No. Did you kill Blair Watson? It was fun to see Vera Farmiga play kind of uh, that kind of character because we haven't we haven't seen that Norma yet. No. It it was awesome. She did great. I was not not surprised. <laughs> that woman can act. She she can act, but I mean, so that was Norman. In his own mind, he. He can't believe that he would do something like that, so he put it on her, right? I mean, I think it—I <laughs> think it was some sort of part of his brain that, yeah, I can't compute, and just kind of a, another sort of Norman time. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Is that Norman time? <laughs> a little bit. Kind of like uh, when Homer Simpson's just sees like those old cartoons in his mind. <laughs> or like when he sees Marge with like that spring neck and the, <laughs> the rolling pin and the curlers, and she's like, blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> club they talked about an article that Aaron talked about she gave exactly the um, syndrome he has or whatever I don't think it's something we can really put our finger on okay he has dissociative identity disorder right which is basically what they used to call like schizophrenia but it's really not it's dissociative disorder I mean, to me, what it seems like he's doing is he can't possibly think that he's the one who killed Miss Watson. So he's like projecting it on on someone else and that that someone else is his mom. She's the most convenient because she's part of him. He always says that. Right. And she gets him the most and yeah. Yeah, I think it's a coping mechanism that right starts right, exactly, off because exactly. I can't handle the fact that I killed Miss Watson. So brain, you know, <laughs> projected on someone else. Yes, come up with something. And Norma's always been intertwined in there a lot, you know. Right. So what? Well, and then we can just end this. So this happens, you know, he has the, you know, hallucination conversation, whatever you want to call it with Norma. He ends up passing the polygraph. And the scene ends with our third non-psycho, which is Norman sitting there pretty much looking exactly like Anthony Perkins at the end of Psycho. Yes, except, and I tweeted this. Except he didn't do the big smile. Which he didn't do great. the smile. I loved Anthony Perkins doing it, but if Freddie Highmore would have done it, I would have been like, meh. Yeah, I like that he didn't do the smile, but it was very, 
It was obviously a obviously homage. a nod, yeah. And Norma's kind of in back in the background. Yes, yes, I did notice her like walking behind him. But um, so what does this mean for season three? Is he is he gonna remember? Does he think that Norma killed Miss Watson? Like, see, this he, is where I don't know. I feel is he going to be thinking that in season three that Norma killed her? I don't know. And since it's almost one o'clock, do you want to do this in our season wrap up? <laughs> yes. So yeah, let's discuss that stuff. Okay. It'll be part of our wrap up. And we can do our like what the bips and yeah. Let's let's finish this one. Okay. So I can uh, get it all edited and stuff. But since it's one o'clock, I'd rather pontificate next time. <laughs> yeah, and and just talking to you has made me think of other stuff. So I think we can pontificate later. Okay. So what what did you think as a whole? What do you rate it? I I cannot give it any less than five out of five. I agree. Uh, this was taxidermied sparrows. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with that. Five taxidermied sparrows. This this was one of the best season finales I've ever seen. It was amazing. It was amazing. Like I, I just love how every character you could call it their show. It just yep. Maybe not Emma, but poor Emma got a bad. She got the short end of the stick on this season. She did. She did. So we can't really count her. Last season, she seemed more of a player. This season, they just didn't... It was too... There was too much family drama. Yep. But anyway, yep. And, and all the that, others. Yeah. It was their episode, and you could say that about all of them. It was so awesome. I know. I know everyone was fantastic, and everyone had killer things to do. I mean... Norman, Norma, Dylan, Romero. Yep, and my it, little nitpicks about it just aren't enough to drop it. They just get too far outweighed by the good. Right, exactly. You can't yeah. get too picky. <laughs> no, you really can't. You really you can't. can't get too picky. This was such a good episode. It deserves five out of five, and to just a couple of the nitpicks we had to lower it is just being too picky. It's... It was beautifully done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only, yeah, I was a little confused about the scene when Zane and 90210 went down, but that was more like logistics, not not what happened. It was more like, how did it happen, you know? And that's, you know what? It's forgivable. Absolutely. You know, Like I said, it's on the little weight of good and bad, they're just... Mm, Exactly. Negligible. Just yeah, yeah. Did you have a what the bit? No, let me think. I'm gonna what the bit the first shot, <laughs> Zane's first shot outside, whatever that was. What the bit? Oh, that's a good one. 
I'm going to let the bit, where was Romero? Because he just kind of suddenly appeared in that scene. And I thought he had gone outside. But then he appeared in like a different doorway. With the giant gun? Did he have the gun before? I don't know, actually. I didn't notice that. Because that was a pretty big shotgun. It was big. So I, 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 I'm just loving the bip in that whole scene. <laughs> it, it definitely had its <laughs> Maybe someone can explain it. I watched it three times and I still didn't get it. <laughs> and I was like paying attention. So, okay. All right. We liked it, guys. Loved it. I don't know where and when it's going to come back. Do you think time will have passed? I, you know what? The way they ended this, I have no idea. Because <laughs> there was no cliffhanger. There was no, I have no idea. It could be five years later for all we know. It could be, I mean, I'm sure they won't do that because it's like Freddie Highmore is, I don't know. I have no idea. And that must be exciting for the writers. Like they, yeah, they've got a clean slate. They really do, and they've got some interesting dynamics to tackle. They wrapped almost everything up, you know. Yeah, we got Bradley out there though. We've got. There's still some things though, and that's what's cool. We've got Eric. We've, we've got, got Eric. We've got Bradley. We got the money, you know. So. But yeah, it's it could be a total new dynamic now with. Norman yep. crossed a threshold. Norman. He has gone. F- he's not a boy anymore. He's a man. <laughs> <laughs> and a woman. <laughs> and a woman. <laughs> he crossed a, yeah, he crossed a line that um, he's changed. He's. The whole Norma and Norman dynamic is different now. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it will he, yeah. never go back to what it was. No, which sees, you know, can see a path where he eventually kills her. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. It is. So. Norman, he sure. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. So, all right then. Should we... Well, let's just say we uh, hope you guys come back next year. Um, we also hope many of you stay for until next March. <laughs> Probably next March, yep. Yeah, we'll uh, try and keep some fun going with the, I don't know, recommend us some stuff and we'll watch it. We'll discuss other things besides Base Motel and, well, we'll do some Psychos. Movies, yep. but that's only going to last a few episodes. Then we'll just, uh, I don't know, we don't have any back episodes to explore. We'll think of something, but we'll, uh, let's well, watch some good shows. Let's watch some good movies and TV in the meantime. There's that, and we will probably do the, um, remember, was it Kim that suggested we do the, uh, oh, yeah, we've got lists. The- the top ten. I've been working on my lists. I've been writing some stuff down. So, like, top ten favorite TV shows and movies. Well, 
Yeah. And I want to do favorite characters. And that could be in a TV or a movie. Just like top ten favorite characters. Or oh, okay. top five. Okay. Because uh, characters are so important to me. There's so many lists you could do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you guys have any... Do you know what a fun one would be? Is like... Something you love more than anyone else you know. <laughs> you know, just like some movie or TV show that you just unexplainably love and... <laughs> the rest of the people in your life or whatever just don't really get it. I've got so many of those. I do too. That'll be, let's do that one. Okay. (laughs) So that's a good one. I have a question about our movie list. Okay. Is it going to be like, because this, okay, would it be the 10 movies we feel like the best movies or our 10 favorite movies because I would probably have two different lists. I am going with my 10 favorite movies. Okay. And I hope everyone keeps that in mind when they hear my list. Yes. Because I, if I said the top 10 greatest movies, they're going to be different because they're not going to be movies I want to watch all the time or movies that I personally just love. I'm going to, they, those would be movies I recognize as being awesome and good and good filmmaking. But as far as my favorite movies, they're going to be different. And that'll be a different kind of list. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've i got no interest in saying what I think are the top ten best right. movies. That's everywhere. Everyone does that. And it's Everyone does that. And I'm not a professional. Right. We are not movie critics. <laughs> person. You know. So if you want a list like that, go on to, you know, A&E's best movie or, you know. The, uh, AFI. A, yeah. yeah. So, no, what I'm planning on doing are like the top 10 movies that mean the most to me. Yeah, good. Okay. That's me, we're on me the same personally, page. you know. <laughs> I'm glad to know. So, it's probably going to be a really weird list. Yep. <laughs> you guys are all going to like stop listening. <laughs> No, I think they'll be interesting lists. Yep. We are what we are. And, <laughs> and we make no apologies. <laughs> nope. And I'm doing the same with TV shows. Yes. Not what I think are the top ten best. Because some that are considered the top ten best, I haven't even seen. Like, give me an example. Uh, The Wire. Right. Or. Homeland. Homeland. You know, Boardwalk I, Empire. I've exactly. seen any of these. Yeah, exactly. West Wing. Oh yeah, yeah, I've never seen that. So, no, these will be my top ten. Like, what makes me? Yep. Okay. So, yep. So look for that. I think other than that is just pretentious, and I hate pretentious. Exactly. You know, it's like Citizen Kane. <laughs> Which I saw Citizen Kane. You know what? It's an okay movie. I'm I'm fine with Citizen Kane. Top ten? Hell no. No, no way. You know. I uh, yeah. I, I can see it's in Casablanca. I see you know, it's okay. I can see its merits, and it did some fine things, fine camera work, fine shots, interesting movie. Yeah. But yeah. Casablanca's mm-hmm. on my wall of shame. I've never seen. Oh it. really? 
Never seen it. Interesting. And many of these movies, you have to know movies really well because it's like, I think Casablanca did something with lighting like that had never been done before. And you have to know that to fully appreciate it. Right. And same with Citizen Kane. There's something about the way he did like group shots or, you know, he, you know, it's all context, Uh you know. And we're not getting into that. (laughs) This is like Emily considers this this is like when i was 10 years old airplane was the best movie in the world so (laughs) therefore top 10 (laughs) (laughs) that may be on my top 10 may not be (laughs) stay tuned (laughs) (laughs) so and if you want to discuss anything with us we hope you would um, email us at yesmotherpodcast at gmail.com. Join our Facebook group. Our Facebook group should stay pretty fun. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we like to discuss things. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you just find that on Yes Mother. I think when we get a certain amount of likes on our Facebook page or members, we're going to get our own little URL or something. I heard that recently. Oh, cool. So people could just find that that way. But anyway, you just have to search for it right now. Um, what else? Oh, Twitter. Yes, MotherCast. Yes, Twitter. MotherCast. And we have the contest. The contest, too, yes. But... Join those things. Write some reviews. Um, yep. Oh, we got a, and I just wanted to shout out, we got a couple new members on our Facebook. Yeah, Shane and Jonah. (laughs) Shane and Jonas, which they added, they they joined the Facebook group, and I added them to the spreadsheet. Great. So we pipe in sometime. That'd be cool. Guys, glad to have you aboard. Yeah. Alrighty then. Alright. That's all I got. That's all I got. So, until next time. Show your own ass. Show your own ass. Bye. Alright, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> okay, see ya. Bye. Okay, I'm back. Alright. <clears throat> Alright. Let me grab some cookies while you were gone and stuffed them in my face. Trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been watching the. Seems like
I'm going to miss you, White Pine Bay. I'm really going to miss you. I know. I am so not ready to leave it. But I guess it'll be where we left it. Leave the bright blue door on the whitewashed wall Leave the death ledger under city hall Leave the joyful air in that rubber ball today Just leave the lilac print on the linen sheet Leave the birds you killed at your father's feet Let the sideways rain in the crooked street remain Leave the whimpering dog in his cold kennel Leave the dead star lit on her pedestal Leave the absent kids in their green fish bowls today Leave the side Guitar in its hard shell case Leave the worried look on your lover's face Let the orange embers in the fireplace remain Cause everything it must belong somewhere A train off in the distance Bicycle chain to the stairs Everything it must belong somewhere now that's why we're staying here Leave the oceans roar in that turquoise shell Leave the widower in his private hell Leave the liberty in that broken bell today Leave the epic poem on its yellow page Leave the grey macaw in his covered cage Let the travelling band on the interstate remain Cause everything it must belong somewhere Sound stage in California Televisions in Times Square Yeah, everything it must belong In the rusted shed Leave those bad ideas In your troubled head Today Just leave the restless ghost In his old hotel Leave the homeless man Out in that cardboard cell Let the painted horse On the carousel Remain Everything it must belong somewhere Just like the gold around her finger Or the silver in his hair Yeah, everything must belong somewhere I know that now, that's why I'm staying here 
the old town drunk on his wooden stool Leave the autumn leaves in their swimming pool Leave the poor black child in his crumbling school today Leave the novelist in his daydream tomb Leave the scientist in her Rubik's Cube Let the true genius in the padded room remain Leave the horse's hair on the slanted bow Leave the slot machines on the river boat Leave the cauliflower in the casserole today Just leave the hot bread trash in the shopping malls Leave the hawks of war in their capitals Let the organs moan in the Cathedral remains Cause everything it must belong somewhere They lock the devil in the basement Threw God up into the air Yeah, everything it must belong somewhere You know it's true, I wish you'd leave me here Now you know it's true, why don't you leave me here 